Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today is Literature Wednesday. We got a lot to discuss and uh, we say that every week, but this week especially because yes, it's that time of the year again, or should I say of the month cycle. We are starting a new book, brand new book in the Chronicles of Narnia series, the next book, which is The Horse and His Boy, and uh, labeled here as book three. So this book series disagrees with Pastor Hansen on the order. So so does, by the way, Bing Chat GPT, whatever the Bing Chat bot is, I've been using it a lot because it generates images, which is kind of cool. Um, and I've been using it for like some of our thumbnails and stuff because it's, it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. But um, it, I asked it to create an image for our series, uh, which we're going to talk about on Friday, our series, new series feature, which is on our website, trdshow.net. And it did. And it was, I asked it to create it in the theme of the magician's nephew, the book. Mm-hmm. And it gave me all these facts and it was like, and it's the first installment in the, in the, um, uh, in the series, the Chronicles of Narnia. And I was like, ha ha, see that it, it, it's, it got it. it um, so. yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. If chat GPT thinks so, then that must be true. That's, Obviously. Right. It is yeah. the standard. So, um, anyway. now I agree with Pastor Hansen. <laughs> yeah. Just because I hate AI. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, the uh, chapters we're going to be going through today, they, we're going through the first three chapters of The Horse and His Boy today. Um, again, well, we always say, just prepare your expectations. Maybe a shorter episode, although you, in the audience, know more than we, you know more than we do at this point because you can actually see the time code and see how long it is. I haven't seen the time code yet because that time has not occurred. Um, You're in the so future. It's not elapsed. Yeah. So future people know, but uh, I don't know. So I am surmising that it may be a shorter episode, but I, we might, that's never happened yet. That has yet to occur in this series. So maybe I should just stop allowing for that possibility. <laughs> but anywho, uh, first three chapters, there's a lot to discuss, some really cool stuff. But before that, we have to do what we always do, which is talk about our verse of the week. And of course, Wednesday means that Jake does that. So, Jake, do your thing and, and read that there passage. I, don't know, I, I am sorry in advance that. for how long this is going to be. Uh, hopefully, this I can will keep not it be within... short. I want to say that now, <laughs> not be short. <laughs> hopefully, I can keep it within five minutes or so. Uh, but... Our verse this week is First Thessalonians. There we go. I I can words. It's big word. Um, First Thessalonians five verses sixteen through eighteen, and it says, "Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you." As Bruce mentioned on Monday, I will piggyback off of what he said. Um, we fall short of doing all this verse commands us to do right? We do not rejoice always. We do not pray without ceasing. We do not give thanks in all circumstances, right? We fall short of what this verse commands us to do. And to be honest, we fall short of doing a lot of God's commandments. We can all, as Christians, say that we do. We are guilty of several sin in our life. Uh, We commit sin all the time, 
And being Christian, we feel guilty because we are pricked by the Holy Spirit. I will touch on that a little bit later. But Toby Sumter says, <clears throat> he, uh, he likes to always say, you may think your sin is the worst, um, but be glad because you are not that important. Your sin does not ruin God's plans for this earth. Your sin is not enough to put uh, God's plans down, right? The devil tried, and you're not the devil. So, uh, <clears throat> and what I want to do is to bring to this verse is that this, and what I want to bring out specifically is that this is the will of God of, sorry, this is, yeah, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, right? That is what I want to focus on here. Yes, in the grand scheme of life and the world, your life does not make the most significant impact, right? And I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings or maybe a shock to your system, but feel comforted and know that those feelings will go away and in the end it will not matter. <laughs> because as Ecclesiastes 1, 2-4 says, life is fleeting, like a passing mist. It is like trying to catch hold of a breath. All vanishes like a vapor. Sorry if that was hard-hitting, right? I just wanted to start things off hitting hard so that what I say next will be that much more impactful. Well, yes, you are not that important, right? God has given you, and yes, you specifically, because he knows you by name, right? The, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows you are important, and he will use you for his ultimate plan, whether you like it or not. So yes, you may not be the most important person, but you are not. Your, your impact on this life may not be known by generations to come. But you are important to God. This was a more extended verse of the week, but I felt, in a sense, inspired to write this, especially given this verse. Um, so let me end with this. Yes, you and your sin are not important enough to ruin God's plan, but you still matter to God. So therefore, I'm not saying that we ignore our sin or that we don't give our sin any weight because it doesn't matter, right? Or that it's not important enough. We still understand that sin is cosmic treason, that sin is a defiance of God's law, and it must be put to death. So, how do we respond to that then? We need to stand up, kick the mud off of ourselves, and get to work. Yep. Nicely put. Very well stated. And I think that was a really good angle to take on that verse. Thank you so much, Jake. That was, mm -hmm. that was really, really good. Awesome work. Okay, so um, let's move into our chapters this week. And uh, we're reading the first three, first three chapters. Uh, first chapter is how Shasta set out on his journeys, um, on his travels, mind you. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, second chapter same is same difference. A, yeah, same. I figured it was just word substitution there. I guess I don't know. Um, second chapter two is a wayside adventure, and third is at the gates 
of Tashban. So um, this was, I, I'll tell you, I, so I, I had a nice long 30 mile bike ride that I did on Saturday uh, over the weekend. And I listened to this entire book uh, recorded, which was just marvelous. Um, and from listening to that thus far, I don't know whether or not, like, I, I must have just completely blanked on this book. The last time I read it, I was like eight years old. So mm -hmm. I don't know why this didn't stick in my head, but read, like listening to it and then going back and rereading this, this is my all-time favorite book so far. <laughs> this is like the adventure, the story here is just insane. Um, so much going on. And so we highly recommend that you read it and check it out as well. But um, spoiler alert, we might spoil a few things here because it's, it's kind of hard not to, right? If I'm being honest, it's, it's really hard. We've been trying. This is a, very, this um, is a book that is very um, on those like secrets in the beginning and then it all gets yeah. revealed at the end. There's a lot of yeah. that. So let's see if we can leave some of those out. What, what kept coming up over and over again, like there was a storytelling mechanism that Lewis kept using, which was really interesting. It was something big has happened and we come at the tail end of it and what we see is the result. Mm. And then we're left there kind of confused, like, oh man, what, what the heck just occurred? And then we're given a wrap up and then we're given, huh, so here's what actually happened and here's how this mm. person got to this point. Uh, like, for instance, the, the what was the prince? Uh, oh, yeah, Rabadesh, who ended up stuck on the wall with a hook through the chainmail, And mm. everyone was laughing at him. That's in the very last chapter. But um, and then Lewis is like, oh, and here's what actually happened. And you didn't see this, but this is what actually occurred. And he he does that like four or five times throughout the book. So, yeah, it's kind of what Jake was just talking about, where all the stories kind of get revealed, but also there's this, or the secrets get revealed, but also there's this mechanism, the storytelling uh, moniker. I don't know why I have that, that word in my head. Mechanism. I, Maybe I, that I think mechanism, mechanism works. Yeah. Um, where that gets reused, which is cool. Uh, but the, the idea, some of the concepts that were introduced in these first three chapters were fascinating. One, obviously, you know, in our, uh, modern day where the stupidest movie of all time and possibly the most harmful culturally was released uh, under a stupid name. And I can't believe I'm about to say this Barbie, literally. Uh, yeah. 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 It's just the whole thing. And it's abundantly obvious was written by feminists against the patriarchy and was, it's just yeah. even more poison yeah. and, and, and already, very tense situation. So that was just, you know, marvelous. Um, but then you read books like this and you find compare a contrast between fatherhood done right and fatherhood done wrongly. And what you find is that it's not just men are evil and the patriarchy is evil. It's far more nuanced than that. Who knew life is nuanced. Weird. <laughs> I thought it was always just, nope, turns out Black and white. you have, yeah, right. Turns out you actually have to consider things and you have to have wisdom in situations to be able to make wise decisions. Otherwise we could just say, okay, we're all robots, right? Give a binary response. Yes or no. Boom. There you go. 
doesn't mean that morality is subjective, but it does mean that decision making is nuanced and especially things like this. So we are fallen human beings. There are are fathers who do it right and fathers who don't. But when they do, it turns out so well. Hmm. And that's because that's how it was intended to work, right? right? When fathers rule, father rule is literally what the word patriarchy means. When fathers rule well, a culture is born and upheld and structured beautifully. And it works because that's the way it was created and intended to work. But when fathers rule with a strong arm of wrath and anger and aren't restrained by the Holy Spirit, horrible things happen. And we see that, I think, throughout this book, uh, especially in this first chapter, right? The main character, or one of the main characters, protagonist Shasta, is abandoned as a child, but not really abandoned. He was lost we come to find out later. And that was used for good, as Len explains how this was used for good, but the circumstances he were put in were obviously not ideal, it would seem to us, right? It, he is placed in an example of a poor version of patriarchy, patriarchy taken to mm. an unfortunate yeah. level in the fisherman's hut. So that was one of the big things I got out of this. And it, it, reoccurs you know it's it's kind of the king's sons uh show up there's two other examples of kings and their sons throughout this book and so i think we'll focus on that theme as it as it comes up with rabbit ash and um the other king uh oh my goodness how am i blanking on his name what was his name we talked about it with pastor hansen didn't we, we? did we did his talk name. about it with yeah. pastor hansen oh my goodness we'll have it come up once we read through that good chapter. king yeah, the good king. The good first king. in, last out, laughing loud. Yes, yes, that that king, good guy. So that was kind of the first chapter. That was one of the big takeaways I got from this. And what was really cool, see, we are we're at a we're in a predicament here on the on, on the show because what I really want to describe, and if this weren't being recorded and shared out to people who possibly didn't read the book. I would mm. love to share the story with you and like break down. Oh, the story was so cool. It's absolutely incredible. <laughs> like just the storytelling mechanism and the way that um, you get introduced to this character. I think one of the coolest moments for me was like the moment that Lewis describes when, um, when the horse Bree first talks, just mm. like the shock there and the unexpectedness of it. It was a really cool way to introduce, especially if people weren't familiar with the uh, concept of talking animals in the series. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, so that was chapter one. Um, did you have anything else, Jake, you wanted to bring up from chapter one that was interesting to you? I think the funniest thing is that the um, it wasn't Rabidash who was in the hut with the fisherman, right? No, no, no. No, 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 no. That, I didn't think so. But... Um, there was a Tarkan, right, in yep. the in the fisherman's hut, um, bartering for Shasta. He wanted Shasta yep. and everything. And of course the the father, right, is saying that um like oh he's my only son, you know, if you take him away, <laughs> right. you know, and all this. Yeah. And the Tarkan is like We both know he is not your son. the Ooh. funniest thing is that he went to race. Right? He said, you're not the same skin color. 
which is obvious to to us. It would be oh right. okay yeah yeah, but of course our our current political woke wokenized culture, <laughs> um, that would be a bad thing. Right. Well, right. no, actually, it switched on his head because now 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 it's not that we shouldn't see color. We should see color, but right. we should see color this way. You know, it, it's crazy, but I guess yeah. to a past woke culture, it would have been a bad thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I thought that was very yeah. interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. And their whole that reminds me also of something else I wanted to talk about with their with their culture. Um, you know, Pastor Hanson was talking about the the god Tash that they worshipped mm-hmm. in their, you know, the Calarmine uh, god, small g. And one of the interesting things about that was he was saying it's like he's like this clever small g god, right? Um, and that impacted the people in interesting ways. We find that, and actually, if we move into the next chapter, um, A Wayside Adventure, chapter two. Yeah. They meet up with the two new characters who are really, it's going to be those four characters throughout the whole book. It's going to be Bree the horse. There's going to be Wynn, the other female, who's the female horse. Bree is the male war horse. Wynn is the female horse, but they're both horses from Narnia, so they can both talk. And then um, Erevin, is that her name? Um, Erevis. There it is, Erevis. Yeah, thank you. And then, of course, Shasta. Um who that's his name through most of the book until you get to the end. <laughs> um, but oh, why did you give the, that away? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. That doesn't actually give much away. If anything, it just adds to the mystery. In my opinion, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't, but um, the, the interesting thing about their culture is that these, there is a high degree of, like really eloquent speech, right? High speak, mm. high language, high manners. And then also uh, there's a high importance placed on storytelling and all this stuff. And then their royals are described and they have all this finery. And so outwardly, their culture puts on a show of being wise and <clears throat> learned and of a higher yeah degree of life but inwardly the large majority of them especially the royals because they're not uh restrained by aslan they don't have that spirit of joy they're very stuffy they're also cruel in a lot of ways mm. um and pastor hansen was talking about that but it it right. came up a lot in these three chapters because you know erovis has this eloquent speech and also she tells really you know tells stories really really well um Compared to, for instance, Shasta, who was born, you know, in this fisherman's hut and didn't really, yeah. wasn't really part of the whole Calarmine culture. And I think that was by design. Like Aslan pushed him towards this particular hut, this particular land, so that he would be separated enough from Calarmine culture that he didn't become and like he wouldn't them, be, yeah. you know, which I think is interesting. And so he's kind of that third party, the outside, you know, bird's eye view of what they're like when he's not, which is interesting. Uh, anyways, that's a lot of words, but those were, you know, the storytelling, the eloquent speech, the outward show of this when mm. internally none of it's really real. And then you kind of get used to it 
and you're just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's just the way things are. And then a couple chapters later, we get introduced to characters from the North, from Narnia, and it's such a stark difference, right? There's now this joy, there's this excitement for life, mm. there's um, people helping out other people, and it's just, it's dramatically different. And then you're like, and then when you go back to the Calarmine people, it's like, whoa, that, that, okay, I get it now. That's, that is very different. How did I not see that before? You know, at least that's, that's how I felt yeah. comparing the two. So, yeah. You, you get this sense of um, the Pharisees in their Ooh, behavior. Good point. Yeah. Um, you get this sense of doing outward actions, uh, trying to look wise and smart in front of other people, uh, yep. being eloquent in speech, <clears throat> but in reality, they are cruel. They are yeah. um, ungodly people. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I think, what I think is really important to note is that it's not, you know, Pastor Hanson on the Friday episode, which by the way, we've been mentioning that episode a lot because it was a really good episode chatting with him. So if you haven't seen that episode already, you and the audience go back and check that out. That was really good episode from this past Friday. Um, but, you know, he brought up the point that some people accuse Lewis of racism because clearly, you know, like this was meant to symbolize people in the Middle East and all this kind of stuff. But what's interesting is that it's not the people themselves, it's the culture. And that's mm. a dramatic mm -hmm. difference, right? There can be, cult there be a person's culture and a person themselves. They are two different things. Now, right. we'll talk about like nationalism, Christian nationalism. You are born into a culture, so you have those tendencies. But for instance, us, right? We are Gen Zers, <laughs> right? The world calls us Gen Z. We're born of that, that generation, that culture, but we reject the secular secularism, the uh, post-modernity, the, all of the, the bad things that go with our generation, we reject it all. And we say, no, that's not good. So in a sense, we, we are saying, no, that culture that is sort of part of us because we were born into it is not right. So we can detach in a way from that, just not fully. I mean, we're both Americans, right? Yeah. We have those yep. social mores. We have those same things built in and we take them for granted every day. Um, but that's why we examine and make sure that what we are taking from the culture is okay. And what we're leaving behind is truly the wrong stuff. Right. It's the, the good stuff to leave behind. Right. Anyway, yeah, in, a in, lot of words, if we're but, addressing if we're addressing cultures and people as a whole, it's fine to generalize because right. that's we're taking them all as a whole. It's when you talk about specific people that it's wrong, if not a good idea to generalize, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So to say, oh, this person is this color skin, which means so therefore, they come yes, from this culture, right. which means they must think this and they must be wrong. It's like, well, yeah. uh, nope, nope, can't, can't do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah which that is racism. That's, that's the definition of, yeah. But what was interesting was in this book, he had redeemable characters, characters who did come from that culture, who did live in it, but were able to rise above that and um, act more like a Narnian, if you will, right? Erebus, yeah. one of the four main characters was literally a, uh, uh, Calamine. Yeah, Calamine. I'm getting Calamine. these names down. There's yeah. a Calarmine. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, there's a lot of new names and whatnot. Um, Calorman is another one. Oh my goodness. 
Kalorman. Kalorman, um, yeah. I I always heard it as uh, Kalorman. That that was I, the yeah. Instead I of Kalorman, Kalorman. I, I look at it. I see Kalorman. I guess I don't know. I don't know. Hey, leave uh, leave your pronunciations in the comments below. <laughs> <laughs> How do you pronounce this word? Um, so, anyways, uh, that you know, the, the one of the main characters literally rose above her culture and stepped into a culture that wasn't that. Right. But um, she ended up having to run away because of that culture, and I think that's really interesting too. Notice one of the lines in this, we're moving into the third chapter now. Um, one of the lines in this third chapter was fascinating to me. I, I wonder if I can find it. Probably can't, and that, that's okay. Um, I can get the gist of it down. But um, in this chapter talking about uh, at the gates of Tashban, it may have been this one or chapter two. One of those, when they first meet uh, Alaris and she, Aramis, getting her yeah. name. Thank you, Erebus. Correct me for the next two weeks, and hopefully I'll get it after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but she, uh, you know, was forced into this arranged marriage and all of that. That was part of mm -hmm. that culture, which was not good. Obviously, we is, um, we we disagree on that level. Um, and and then there's a line in there that says in Narnia there are no arranged marriages. In Narnia, that's <laughs> not something that we do. Because, you know, women are respected higher than that, you know, and we, I don't know if we've ever, I don't think we've done an episode on like talking about courtship and that process and why that's so important and what goes into that. Doug Wilson has a really good mm -hmm. book called Her Hand in Marriage, which is a really, really good book. Um, highly recommended on, on that topic. But part of that is that, yes, the father gives away his daughter, but that's for her protection, right? Right. And it's not without her say so. It's more, hey, this young man has approached the father, wants to court his, uh, you know, his daughter, and the father now says, goes to the daughter and asks, hey, is this actually someone you're interested in? Here's what I've seen. What have you seen? You know, it's a discussion. And ultimately, she's not the one who rejects him. The father is, right? Mm. Well, she's the one who says, no, this, I don't want to court him. And the father goes to the young man and says, okay, here's her decision. She's said, no. And it's, it's her protect. It's for her protection, emotionally, physically, all, all the cases. Right. Um, yeah. So yes, there's that level, which to the outside and if done incorrectly may look oppressive to women, but it is actually more respectful and protective of them. And not to say that that's explicitly the Narnian way, but that's at least alluded to, which I thought was mm. really, really interesting to compare those two there's so many different customs in a society, but this was one that was overtly mentioned, you know, the custom of marriage, how it was done in Calarmine as opposed to Narnia. Um, and that just stuck with me. I was like, oh, that, that was, yeah. that was really cool to, to mention, you know, of course, Narnia being the example of Christendom, Narnia being right. the example of the West, Western culture, Christianized culture, like Pastor Hanson was, was talking about on Friday. So, um, yeah, so, so we're at the point in the story where they are about to go undercover, sort of. Right, <laughs> these four adventurers, four friends have come together, um, and their stories are shared, and they're all kind of escapees looking to run from this culture and run to Narnia, and just the storytelling here is just magnificent. It's it's descriptive. It's not 
boring at all. Like I never felt a point. There've been some books I've read where you get to a point where it's like, okay, I get it. They're traveling. All righty. Lewis had this way of skipping through all of that boring stuff and got right to the, you come back six weeks later, they, it's like, oh, oh, okay. All right. But he got through all of that, you know, like, so lots of time elapsed, but you as the reader didn't have to sit there drudging through it, which I thought was really good. Mm. So that's one of the marks of a really good uh, storyteller. So when in a sense, you still felt like you were a part of the adventure, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he brought you in on all the details and learning about how Shasta learned how to ride. And then later on, the joke is made when uh, Bree is telling the story about how they escaped. And Shasta's like, oh, you made... I, I personally think he made <clears throat> too big of a deal out of uh, how many times I fell off of the saddle. It was only a two or three dozen times. <laughs> 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 it was just hilarious, that, that whole part. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, there's, there's a lot of laughs. There's a lot of humor. There's a lot of storytelling. There's, there's a lot of emotion. You really put yourself in the shoes of these characters. And I, I thought that that was very fascinating. This book seems to move at a slower pace than the other two. But I like that. I like that the characters are really getting developed and you're really getting attached to these characters. Not to say you didn't get attached to the, the four Pevensey children in the last book or even Diggory and, and um, oh my goodness, what was her name? Polly. Uh, Polly. My word, that was embarrassing. Um, so many books <laughs> in so short amount of time. Uh, not to say you didn't get attached to all those previous characters. But I feel like in those previous books, it was very much focused on world building in the world world itself, right? And the redemption of the world and the creation of the world and the, ooh, visiting different worlds. And there was a lot of, a lot of that. This one is very much more down to earth, which I like. Mm. It's cool. You know, now that we've got this established world, what's it like to actually live in, live in it? Right. Like, let's right. step into the lives of some of the characters and live the lives that they're living I, in different cultures. I think, that this book to me is very interesting because you <clears throat> you kind of see the lives of people in a very small sense uh, in uh, the Lion and Witch in the Wardrobe. You you yeah. see them you see their lives under oppression because the the witch is queen in a sense, um, but you move outside of Nonia and you go to another culture. And see what it's like in the world in, instead of just in that one yeah. nation. And it gives you a sense of Israel, right? That Israel was um, God's chosen people. And they had God's law. They listened to God's law for, for a time. Um, and yeah. it looked completely different than any of the other nations around. If you yep. looked at, at other nations outside of Israel... You would see them much like you would see um, uh, Kalormin. Kalormin and yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I think this, yeah, Kalormin. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great observation, Jake. I think that's a really good parallel. I wasn't seeing, but now, now I'm not going to get that out of my head. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Neat. Well, I think we've just about exhausted these three chapters without getting into too many of the details. Um, We've by no means exhausted the story in these three chapters. So mm. if you, um, you poor unfortunate soul, have yet to read these three chapters, you should really consider doing that tonight, even. 
hey, maybe it's uh, looking for something to do before you go to bed or whatever. And uh, you've, you know, obviously read your Bible and you need something else to, to go to sleep with. Well, now's a good time to get caught up. Um, but yeah, so of course, people in the audience are like, oh, all we need is the Bible to go to sleep. <laughs> you'll you'll have right, those people. We're, we're way less okay. spiritual. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have a really cool special guest coming up on Friday. Um, uh, Sean Bonet from the Bonet Music Academy, which is where I work now. Woo! At least part time. My evening hours are spent working there, which is super exciting. That's a great music academy. Um, check them out. BonetMA.com um, is the website. <laughs> and uh that that you'll understand why i'm shameless so plug. proud of getting that right after you watch that episode <laughs> oh <laughs> but yes shameless plug highly recommend checking them out um uh, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to build a christian culture um and what it looks you, like to uh, redeem the uh, world of music so is it redeemable and if it is how do we do that so adding to our building a christian culture series did you have something quick you wanted to say jake or no, I, I was just going oh, okay. to comment, uh, just adding to that, building a Christian culture using music, you know? Yes. Yep. Amen. Great. Well, thank you all in the audience so, so much for watching or listening to us today. Thank you, Jake, for your awesome observations today in this conversation. This was a lot of fun. Um, and don't forget, we're going to be reading the next three chapters for next week. So get caught up and then read those three before next Wednesday. Uh, and uh, we will see you on Friday. So that's looking forward to that. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. 